Let's go, Mike. We got a young guy that I want to talk to. I've been waiting to talk to this guy for a couple weeks. Uh, he, he is. I think you're going to find him a really, really breath of fresh air. And uh, the guy, the guy might be made for this show. As a matter of fact, I got to tell you, Colin. Now, this is Colin Thompson, tight end from the Carolina Panthers, and he's a keep pounding kind of guy. Um, I got to tell you that I had I got a an email yesterday from oh. Alex Alex Singleton, oh. and and he asked me if I had made the arrangements to, to get you on the show, and I said, yeah, you were coming on today, and he he was all fired up because he said, I'm telling you, this guy is. He, and he was like four of those little emojis with fire on them. He said, he said this guy's fire. So you're, you got a little pressure on you there, big boy. Singleton is the man. We how do how do you guys know each other? It's a great it's a great story. First off, we're all represented by the same people at Pro Star Sports and John and and Paul and Warren. So there's the one connection. But it's funny. I, I'll just tell the story and be transparent. That's what I've become more of now instead of the old PC football talk that we have to do and of course we're on with coffee with coach so we, we got to let it go a little bit so um let's see i forget what happened i think they were on a bye week in philly and i trained with uh uh let me say this i went to the giants mini camp in 2018 i think when i was in and out of the league this is my second mini camp with the giants i was with them coming out in 2016 so i met this tight end named alex ellis his nickname skit uh, played at Tennessee. He's a great guy. And I'm going to the bathroom in Xfinity Live um, in Philadelphia, which is a bar restaurant <laughs> in between the Phillies ballpark, the Flyers arena, and the Eagle Stadium. And I look ooh, over ooh. and I said, it's an awesome place. It's got like 10 different bars and restaurants. And it's a good time. And we were popping through. We were going somewhere in Philly that night. And I was, I looked over and I said, oh, wow, it's skit. And I you know, I said, yo, Skit, you know, we talked and we ended up, you know, grabbing a drink. And then if his buddy walked up behind him with this long hair out the back and I said, that's Alex Singleton. That's the man of the CFL. Mm -hmm. So that's how we met uh, over some beverages and over bumping into a friend at a, at a, rest, a bar restaurant. And I wasn't even on a team. Uh, those two were. And I was bitter because Ellis was on the Eagles and I was at home. I should have been <laughs> on over him. But no, he's a great player. And uh, he made a lot of play, a lot of plays for the Eagles that year. So that's how I met Alex, Alex Singleton. What a great guy. Unreal follow on Twitter, what he's doing and uh, with the sister there. And, uh, yeah, we share the same agent, Warren Schmidt. So we have we have a little bit in common for sure. I'm trying to get him on my podcast. Uh, well, I tell you what, get him on because he is good. I mean, and, and he is a great dude. All right. Let's talk about you, right? Uh, Philly kid, right? And – I, I, you know how Wikipedia is like, is you can find out some stuff on Wikipedia. I know where this is going too, but continue. Nah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, your, your dad's in real estate, right? Yep. And your mother does what? Whole lot of everything. A whole lot of everything. She's a rock star. Okay. I wasn't, I was going, this is going different th than I thought. I'll tell that story in a second too. That's a good one. I'm going to write right. this down. I, I take notes. So I don't forget anymore because I'm Mr. Podcaster now. So I keep my notes, but um, bro, bro, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a handwriting guy. I got to write my workouts down. The no, trainer I train okay. with, he's that's like, okay. we got an app. Just punch it into the app. I don't want to punch <laughs> it into an app. I spend enough time on my damn phone. So, uh, so my mom is a, just a rock star of a human being. Um, she is been 
getting after it in the retail world for 35 years. Didn't go to college. Um, went to New York City right out of high school and drove an hour to the train and then took an hour into the city and worked for big retail companies and just cut her teeth doing that and then started working for department stores. And at 22 years old, she's in charge of the whole department store. And then she would still go to New York City and then open her own business, which is now LSL Brands, but it, it started as Lace Silhouettes Lingerie. And then, you know, she would take the train to New York and then come back while my dad would open the store for her. And then she would run the store from like six to nine o'clock at night. And then she'd take the train in New York the next day at 5 a.m. So, so she's just been a workaholic and a grinder forever. Well, fast forward, she has 12 retail stores. She just purchased the, the original Fudge Kitchen down here and is the owner and operator of, uh, you know, the original Fudge Kitchen, which is a huge business on the Jersey Shore for people that know that. So um, she's just a rock star, man. And she's an unreal leader. Um, she's never said a bad word about anybody. Uh, I, I strive to be like my mother. I really do. She's she's just an unreal person, and there's no one like her. Well, that's great to hear you talk about your mom that way, man, because that is the coolest thing. And, um, you know, I, I saw that uh, she had the lingerie business, and I thought, you know, was, has she been good for a couple suggestions for you when you're trying to get something? <laughs> Listen, man, to me, I'm Maybe just like. you get 20% off or what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, she's got everything. So that's once she started adding some men's clothing, I would say about 15 years ago, I have way too many, way too much clothes. My fiance, Sydney, and I are like going through my closet. It's like, all right, we got to get rid of some stuff because like all of the Patagonias and the Columbias, we got Yeti. Great, uh, big green egg. So it's, she's she's men's too. But yes, yeah, she started in lingerie. And I, I would be, you know, I worked for four bucks an hour as a kid. But and I'm like, wow, why did I work for four bucks an hour? She's like, because your lunch was $35. <laughs> <laughs> so I would take, I would open the clothes up, put the ticket on it for people to scan it. So I was doing that as a kid, bras, panties, whatever. I didn't care. I'm numb to it all. This is a business. And so, you know, so, yeah. so as so as a first year tight end for, for, for the Panthers, you might be the best best dressed guy on the team, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. No, no, uh-huh. no, 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 no. I may have uh, maybe the best gift giver over the holidays. I think that's <laughs> safe to say because I have mom ship her. She's got this wish wrap down. Uh, she sent a bunch of the wish wraps down, which she ended up wiping out her whole, you know, she had a whole warehouse full of it. And she sent it to all the frontline workers when COVID happened. I think she sent over 5,000 pieces. Wow. Check it out. It's called the Wish Wrap, Wishes for Women, LSL Brands. And she sold out. She doesn't have any left because she gave them all away. But she ended up giving me the last two boxes. And that went to all the staff and all of my teammates and a couple of my teammates' wives. And so, yeah, she's a rock star. It almost got on Shark Tank, but, you know, it, it, it just didn't work out. But, yeah, she's the best. Uh, all right. Now, when did you find football? Like when did when did you find football? Was it Pop Warner High School? When did when did football become your thing? Well, football has always been a part of my family. Huge in the Philadelphia area, obviously massive professional football fans. At least my family is across the NFL. You know, rooted for more players and rooted for more you know teams. We watched the whole NFC East, so I grew up watching Jason Witten and. I wasn't a diehard Eagles fan like all my buddies, and we were Giants fans and Steelers fans because uh, Tim Lewis, who was a first-round pick by the Packers and ended up coaching all over the NFL, uh, he sat by my mom growing up in high school. So we followed Tim and Tim's career. And, you know, between my dad and Tim and talking through different things, I didn't play pound ball. I didn't play Pop Warner because I would have been the biggest kid and I would have got my butt whooped by a bunch of older kids. So I was playing basketball, and one of the dads – 
you know, said, hey, Colin should play CYO football just by grade. So six grades when I started. And I played center and tackle and defensive tackle and defensive end. And I played that seventh grade, uh, played that in pretty much eighth grade too. And then I would play like they put me at tight end for like a couple of trick plays, you know, and we'd run like a halfback pass and I'd sneak out and catch the ball. But nothing too crazy, right, when it came to catching the ball. <laughs> I still haven't caught that many passes. So uh, I probably caught more passes in Pop Warner than I did than, than I have in my professional and college and high school career. So – that's how I found football. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because um, when I found it in sixth, seventh grade, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade with the CYO team I played for, Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, where I was born and raised, we, uh, you know, the, the kids were going to go to this high school called Archbishop Wood. And I was going to go to Central Bucks East, this public school. And I was, okay, great. If I would have went there, I don't know, I probably would have been forced to play tackle because I would have been the bigger kid on the team. And, that's really tough uh, on me. And I thought I wouldn't be a tight end. And then they're like, Hey, you know, central bucks East is like, Hey, yeah, you're going to play offensive line for us. You know, you're sorry. You're your biggest guy on the field. And I went to wood and the coach is like, you can play whatever you want. You know, we'll find a way to make it work. So I played center and tackle again, ninth grade. And long story short, I moved to tight end and, and haven't looked back. It's been a journey. And um, yeah, so that's how I got into football and it, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's, you know, it's led me to a lot of great places. You know, it's it's amazing how small the football world is because you mentioned Tim Lewis, right? And Tim Lewis took my job at the University of Pennsylvania when I left to go be a head coach. And I actually met him and helped interview him for the job. And then later on became really good friends with his brother, Will. And Will actually, Will coached for me in in pro football. So, I mean, it is incredible how small this world is. You are one of the top high school players in America, right? And you decide to leave the Northeast and go South to the SEC to play at Florida. So the first question I got to ask you is what was the going rate in the SEC for a for a tight end in those days? You know what the going rate was for me? Just, just the pools, the outdoor bars, and the palm trees. That's you got me there, man. You know, that doesn't. That, that was an easy sell. They would. People always ask, "Hey, what did you get paid to go to Florida?" I was like, uh, "Nothing." Should I've gotten paid? Like maybe I should have asked. You know, because you find out later from friends that played all over the SEC or played all over wherever. They're like, "Yeah, we, you know, we just asked for this and got that, or asked for X and got Y." You hear all the stories, right? When, when, when you're out, but nothing when you're in. Of course, like 10 years later, you hear him, but no, I, maybe should, I should have asked for something. I should have, because that, that was an easy sell. It was like, and you know what? My dad's like, listen, you got to visit another big school. It kind of happened pretty quickly. Like I went from like a local, like Boston college Rutgers, you know, Penn state pit in this area, D one double A's, the Nova's and then temple. Um, I've seen that D one double A, but temple and then Delaware, you know, the local stuff. UNC came into it, and then all of a sudden, South Carolina offered. I was like, "Oh wow, SEC." GA Mangus, who coached at Delaware Valley College, and everyone yeah. kind of knows the name GA. Yeah. So, yeah. coached at Del Val College in my hometown. So he knew Duelstown well, and he recruited Wood, and we had a bunch of kids going D one. So, okay, and then all of a sudden, it was like, "Whoa!" Alabama came out of nowhere, then Florida, and then Stanford, and then ended up like waking up one day and being rated the number one tight end in the country. I got dropped the number two because the number two kid. Uh, had two catches and I had one. He caught a touchdown in the Under Armour game. 
But yeah, so it was, it was crazy, man. I was a no brainer for me to go down there and visit. And then I, my dad's like, you got to see another big school. That's what I was getting at. So I said, okay, I'm going to go visit this school. So the school was Wisconsin and <laughs> I walked in the tight end room. All the tight ends looked like me. And I'm not talking about just skin color. I'm talking about size, right? Everyone was six, four. I was two fifty in high school. Same way I am now two fifty five now, but I was like, everyone was the same size. There was eight of them. I'm like, Oh man, I love competition. Don't get me wrong, but whew. and they have three other kids committed. It was like a. I'm like, there's no way there's gonna be eleven kids in this tight end room. This is crazy, and it poured it poured rain the entire weekend. And Brent Bielen was awesome. I'll never forget. It. I walked in his office. He had Bob Marley playing. I was like, yo, this is my type of guy. We're gonna run the ball, and then we're gonna listen to Bob Marley. Like this is sweet. <laughs> so I like that a lot. Um, but when I visited Florida, there was one tight end. He goes, his name was Jordan Reed. They were going from a spread offense to a pro. And I'm like, well, this is a no-brainer. You know, I can go to Alabama or Stanford. And I loved BC at the time, Ryan Day, obviously Ohio State now. He recruited me, and I loved Coach Day and BC. It's a great place, still a great city. And uh, I, I was just like, this is a no-brainer. Obviously, all the things off the field, Florida's a great school. And when it comes to the depth chart, there's one. They were, they were moving a couple defensive linemen over. They all made it to the league. But – they moved over and played tight end. They made it to the league. And then Jordan Reed. So that's why I ended up going to Florida. And that uh, was a no-brainer. All right. Now, number one recruit in the country at your position. You go to the SEC. You think it's going to be all gravy. It's just you're just going to go down there and turn it out, buying time till you get to the league, all that stuff. But it doesn't work out that way. Talk about the frustration of breaking your foot, you know, being medicaled out of the program. You know, and again, so that fans understand when a guy gets a medical, what basically what they do is they say, we don't think you're healthy enough to play football. We'll continue to put your scholar. We'll, we'll pay your scholarship, but we're going to take it out of the 85 that we're allotted every year, you know, for our team. So it doesn't hurt, hurt the program. But it really is almost being banished to the jungle, if you will, as a player. And and that's what you experience at Florida. Yeah, so there's a couple ways to look at it. You could see it as a business move, right? If you're still think you're healthy enough to play and professional doctors that are best in the world, bless you and say, you're fine. Then you say, Oh, well, it's a business move. And then there's also like a legitimate health move. Like, Hey, listen, this is your sixth torn ACL, or this is your fifth concussion and a year, you know, it's just time. It's time to hang it up. So for me, I'll backtrack after the Under Armour game, we're looking at uh, late spring 2012, play the Under Armour game. And, New Year's of 2012. Um, I am going around cones at Central Bucks West High School, which is a high school in my hometown. And I break my foot, Jones fracture, right foot, just, just snapped, like literally just going around a cone. Okay, fine. I visit Florida. They're like, you haven't got surgery on that yet. I'm like, uh, no, I'm in a boot. So I had to go back and get surgery like three weeks after I was supposed to. So that was kind of a pain, but no big deal. All good. Come down to Florida. You'll rehab. You'll get right. So I go to Florida and I'm getting the rehab. I'm experiencing pain. We get down to like all we get to August and it's training camp and I'm like doing just different jogs and different sprints and different workouts around the field. And I was actually working who was our assistant strength coach. Then Jesse Ackerman, he's now the head strength coach for the Atlanta Falcons. He's the best, one of the best in the, in the business. I love Jesse. Coach Jesse's the man. And uh, I'm working with Jesse and and the training staff there, and I experienced pain. So they said, you know what, Colin, we're going to redo the surgery. We don't like it. So they put a bone graft in it, which just kind of fills with a little putty where the bone broke. And then just fast forward, come back 
that's my second foot surgery now, second broken bone, the same foot, different screw um, in, in the foot. And I'm fighting to come back. They fly me to Nike. We fly people in from Denver to fit me for orthotics. It was just a mess. Well, long story short, I started moving up the depth chart that next camp and started doing a few things and feeling pretty healthy and felt pretty good. I'll never forget this. I played the first three games. I'm in the, I'm in, you know, my bedroom, my parents in our new house. There was a kind of a party of friends and family that flew down for the game. Our first SEC game, we beat, beat Tennessee. It was like, it was a lot of fun. I played on special teams. I had some good time at third tight end. I'm like telling my parents, like I made it. This is incredible. Like, 95,000 people going crazy. It's hot. We beat the crap out of Tennessee. Like, this is awesome, right? Next morning, I wake up. My foot is just bothering me. It's been bothering me a little bit, but it was the middle of my left foot. I broke my right foot twice. This is my left foot. I'm like, what is this? Come to find out, it's a navicular stress fracture, which is extremely hard to do, but it's a bone in your foot, the navicular bone that doesn't get a ton of ton of blood flow, which, you know, creates healing, et cetera. The Joel Embiid injury, if you follow basketball and Joel's yeah. had a lot of health issues at Joel. So that's kind of the medical history of it. And they said, Hey, listen, you're done for the year. Don't worry about it. Come back. So I go to South Carolina, have a great weekend with some friends when Florida played up there. It was clownies last year. And I had family that booked the trip down. Right. So I'm like, all right, I'll just come up. They like they they booked flights months in advance. Like I was going to play there. So I'm like, I'll just come up, hang out with you guys. We'll get tickets, go to the game. Come out the next day, they're like, hey, you got to run. What do you mean? Like, you got to run. Like, I thought I was done for the year. I haven't ran in, you know, four months. I've been lifted and training, but I've been rehabbing. So I run, feel fine. Next day, run again, in pain. Doctors pull me in the office and say, hey, Colin, we're going to medical disqualify. We're going to, you know, medical disqualify you. Your career's over. We think your football career's done. We think, you you know, you should. we want you to be able to walk around with your kids and, you know, run with your kids and coach sports and do all these things. We're going to fly your parents down for the Florida State game and they'll sign the documents. You'll sign the documents and it's over. It's like, get the hell out of here. What do you mean? I'm going to play in the NFL. Like, this is just a roadblock, you know? And, and it was at the time a very low point for me mentally. You talked about the grind. It wasn't peaches and cream. I thought I was going to go in, me and Jordan Reed, the Y and the F, little thunder, little lightning. I never smelled the field, never smelled it there. So um, that was extremely frustrating and a low point. So I fought the medical until the next spring and Eventually, Coach Muschamp's like, hey, Colin, it's it's done, man. I can't convince them it's over. So uh, it was a little little political there, I think, and, and a mix of political. And, yeah, I had some health issues. But Dr. Robert Anderson, who does all the ankles, he's in Green Bay now. But before, he he was in Charlotte, and uh, he's the best in, best in the business, really, when it comes to foot and ankle. And he blessed me. He said, you're good to go. But Florida wouldn't bless me. So uh, end up getting cleared, and, and that's kind of the story of how it all went down in Florida. All right. Now, I'm gonna, you, you go back home. Right. And you go to the Temple University right now. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you a Temple story okay. because I want to illustrate where Temple is right in Philadelphia, in North Philadelphia, right on Broad Street. Now, I am at I'm on a visit to see to this is when Arians was the head coach at Temple. This is how long ago it was. Paul Palmer was the tailback, and they're you know they're a good football team, but they were always going to be six and five, right? So, do you know the practice fields at the old the old practice fields at Temple were like a just a gigantic astroturf of like three fields all together. They women still like that. It's still okay. Change. And it butted right up against Broad Street, and so. There was the sidewalk. Then there was a chain link fence, like an eight foot chain link fence. And then the practice field and the goal 
post was down close to the Broad Street and they were working goal line offense coming out, right? So they're down there and they're all huddled in the end zone and, and <laughs> they, they, they fumble it or something happens, right? And there's a drunk guy and I'm not shitting you when I tell you this, Colin. There's a drunk guy hanging on the fence like this and he's got his he's got his 40 in the paper bag right here and he's kind of weaving a little bit like this. And and they make another mistake, and the, he starts heckling them. You, uh, you guys stink. You're the worst team in America. <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, Arians goes over and he whispers to the quarterback, and the quarterback turns around. The next play, turns, takes the snap, turns around, and fires a bullet. I mean, a bullet, fifteen yards away from it, right at the drunk hanging on the fence, and it hits the fence. <laughs> And the guy drops his bottle and all this. And he the best line I've ever heard, he, he, he goes like this. He goes, I knew you couldn't hit me. Uh, <laughs> and you got to love Coach Arians telling him to throw it, right? And that's uh, and that, that was Temple football. I mean, it was just – you go from the Taj Mahal to yeah. Broad Street. I mean, it was it was. A, I mean, I had I, – I, you know, at that point in time there – you know, when I got medical and like looking for an offer, I thought I'd have a bunch of them. I mean, I knocked on the door at UCF. I'm going to stay close to my girlfriend at the time, who now is my fiance. We're getting married in June, being together for seven, going on eight years. You know, I'm going to stay close to my friends in Florida. I'm going to go to UCF, walk on spot. Uh, Marty Morningwagon, who's who's is a big name in football, and his son Skyler was my roommate. You're kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. Marty, Marty was my quarterback at Montana and. Our 1980 something, and we shared an office together. You got to be kidding! What a this world is so small, man. So small. So Marty, right? So Marty says, "Colin, I'll get you an offer in Montana. I'll get you an offer in Montana." So I talked to Coach. They gave me an offer. So my only offer was Montana at one point. I'm like, man, I love Montana. What a beautiful place. It's really hard to get to, and I just went from having 30 scholarships to I have one. I had zero, right? And then I had one with Montana. So. It was a humbling, very humbling experience for me. And I probably checked my ego at the door looking back at it like, yo, man, just you're all about football now. No Under Armour game, no ESPN this, just go play. So if it came down to Montana and Temple University and Matt Rule, this second-year coach at Temple, was trying to convince me to go there. And he said, hey, we'll give you as much time as you need to heal. And let's do it. So I come on campus. I remember taking my mom's car, and there's like a gate right in front of the facility where the coaches park. And I said, coach, you got to open this gate and allow me to park in here. I'm in my mom's car. I am not getting this. Thing <laughs> we're writing it. We're right in a different area temple now, right? It's, it's the, the campus is unreal than probably the last time you saw it. Like it's fantastic. It's much safer, much cleaner. It's a wonderful place to go to school. And I had an unreal experience there. I'll be honest with you. It was fantastic. So I live right there on 10th and diamond. I live right next to the facility. And when I was in Florida, I had a three-bedroom house. I used to shower. I put my soap on the direct TV dish in the front yard, and I would shower with a hose because, and just like you know, just shower off like after whatever running or something because it was just so nice out. Wait, you know, it's just like college in Florida. You doing that on Broad Street, brother? <laughs> no, I'm like, wait, this is my place, and it's triple the rent. What are you talking about? So, yeah, it was definitely a unique experience, man. I was like, oh man, here we go, buckle up. So I buckled up, went all in, and graduated. Uh, 
you know, rather quickly. And then it's finished half my masters and, and just buckled up for that run with coach rule and was just sitting there. And I got to see one of the greatest coaches in the world, like go to work. And I was blown away. I took notes and notes and notes. And I'm like, this guy's unbelievable. So, uh, it took a bunch of just random dudes at temple and put us on the map, really put us on the map. A lot of guys are now in the NFL, but, uh, yeah, it blew. It, it, it he blew me away. Coach blew me away. It's that's a you know it's a different topic we're going to, but coach blew me away. And then the team was incredible. And we won a we lost in the championship my senior year at Houston, and then my junior year, and then my senior year we won a championship at Navy. We beat Penn State. We took Notre Dame to the wire. There should have beat them. Um, so what a great and just crazy story the Temple thing was, and it, it really truly worked out from there. It was awesome. Now. Um- I want to I want to really spend some time with this and uh, you're really good to give us this kind of time. But, you know, you have had an opportunity to play for Matt now two times, You played with him at Temple and you played with him in Carolina. Uh, Obviously, coaching college players and coaching pro players is a different deal. And when he got that opportunity, one of the concerns that you always have when you when you say a guy's going to make that jump now he had minimal I think he'd been with the Giants one season as an assistant offensive line coach so he had minimal NFL experience or pro experience but he seemed to have done a great job what is it about him Colin that makes him you know some guy's got that it thing you know is that him he's got it that's for sure I remember people people still do ah he's a college guy not anymore they don't but you know he's a college guy okay uh, football coaches are football coaches. If you're a really good football coach, you're going to find a way to coach a Pop Warner kid or you're going to find a way to coach the best in the world to do it. I think the one of the coolest things that coach coach says, and actually was talking to somebody today in two things, um, and a former strength coach that, that was there that's moved on, he was saying, I've never left a team meeting of coach rules and, and said that wasn't on point today. Every day you say, man, that was spot on. I'm talking every single day. The mission is crystal clear. And I think he connects with everybody at all levels of intellect, football intellect. I'm more talking about like he could teach the game to anybody. And I know that's kind of cliche because every coach really thinks they can, but like he really truly just makes it really simple and it's pretty straightforward and everyone rows in the same direction with coach rule. Uh, And if you don't, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb. So I, 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 I'm just blown away and honored to be able to work with him every day and learn every day. It's everything that he teaches now is just like embedded in everything I do. And I'm extremely lucky because it's made me a better person, business person, athlete, off season training, everything. He just has an unreal way to connect. You can't put your thumb on it because I get this question all the time. And it's, it's something I'm always all over the place with it because there's so many different things is, is, is a way to connect with the team. His pulse of the team is like nowhere else I've ever been. He knows what's going on. His expectations are great. And I think one of my favorite things he says is, I want you to play your best football under us. And we're going to do everything we can to make that happen. I don't think a lot of people say that. It's always like, yeah, play your best. Sure. But like, no, under our staff, you're going to play the best football you've ever played. I don't care if you're an all pro or you're nobody. All right. I, I, then uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this for me. And it's putting you on the spot. I know a little bit. Oh, give me, Give me three things, three things that you would say. You know, you talk about all the notes, all the notes you've taken, all the synthesize down to three main things that make him a winner and make you believe that you're going to win in Carolina. Well, I'll say this. I'll say one thing at the start that sticks out. It's it's what's next mentality. 
that's what he lives is what's next. If you watch our field goal, field goal block team, they don't turn around and look to see if the ball goes to the uprights. Doesn't matter. We don't look at the scoreboard. It doesn't matter. We should be able to turn on the film and you should be either up 30 or down 30. So the what's next mentality thing, that's unreal. That's changed my life. What's next? What's next? The in the moment stuff is is another attribute I think he's unreal at. It's kind of the same thing in a way, but about being in the moment, enjoying what you're doing, and then his ability to connect with people. You know, there's like seven things, but these are the three. I think it's a great question because his ability to connect is just like no one else ever been with, really, truly. It's it's that good, and he has a great pulse of the team. He asks you for advice. You know, it's it's there's no ego involved. It's pure win. It's pure. Let's turn this puppy around and 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 win. Um, and that's what he's all about. Okay, I'm gonna hit you with some of your teammates, and I want a one word, just a one word. You can only use one. All right. (sighs) I'm full of words. Everyone's like, man, this guy talks a lot. So now I got to do one. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm making it tough on you, big boy. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Leader. McCaffrey. Um, this is really tough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Teddy, Teddy's a lot of things. I love playing for Teddy, playing with Teddy. Christian McCaffrey. Technician. Really? Okay, that's good. That's not one I anticipated. FA best Obama. Walk-through, best walkthrough player I've ever seen in my entire life. All right, I want to go back to that later, right? Yeah. FA Obata. Brother. Really? There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. And I'm going to go around your division a little bit, right? Like this. this is a fun game. Drew Brees. Legend. Rob Gronkowski. The greatest of all time, the GOAT. GOAT. Shaq Barrett. Can I say pain in my ass? Is that? (laughs) You can say anything you want to, man. I I faced Shaq. I faced Shaq when he was the third or fourth defensive end for Denver in a practice when I was with Chicago. And they're like, oh, have fun with him. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, he may be the, he may be one of the best ones out of all of them. I'm like, okay, because I'm with the twos and the threes, right, at that time. I still am. But I'm with the twos and the threes in practice, and we're doing one-on-ones. Von Miller's gone. Nick Chubb's already gone. Here comes this guy. He's one of the best in the league. So, yeah, sorry. I can't I can't put one word on him. Pain in the ass. <laughs> in a good way. Oh, ton of respect for Shaq. Yeah, ton of respect. He's a beast. Uh, uh, good. I, man, he handled that extremely well. Now, let's go back to McCaffrey. Technician. Best, best walkthrough player. What? Just see his warm up, man. He's doing hands. He's walking on his hands in the warm up, like he's doing his whole other warm up, but not on a like not in like a disrespectful way. Like he does some of the stuff that pertains to him, but he doesn't. Like he's walking on his hands, warm up. He's doing all these footwork drills. Like everything is just down to a science. Like his walkthrough stuff. He was battling a lot of injuries this year for the first time in his career. Really, he's never missed any games. And he's just a technician. Like it's walkthroughs, like boom, boom, step, step, turn this way, shoulders, like down to the detail. And then the back in front of him is doing the walkthrough. He's behind him doing the walkthrough. Or you could see his eyes back and forth. Like I know it's like the obvious stuff, but he does the obvious. And like I would say to the kids I coach here, like, stop thinking you're cool. Like I coach high school down here. I'm like, just drop the cliche stuff. Like break it down. If you're going to break it down, do it right. If you're going to walk through, do it right. I don't want to be a part of this. Like, if you're going to clap for your teammate, then don't just half-ass it. Like, let's 
let's actually do it. If you drop the cliche and just focus, like Christian doesn't care about anything, man. He's just dialed in. He's a warrior. Like he, guy's a warrior. Best walkthrough player I've ever seen. I say it all the time. And that's like, honestly, if someone told me that to be the best, like who cares? Like games matter. Yeah, don't get me wrong. But everyone wants to play well in the games. But how are you like in practice and walkthroughs? Like he's the best I've ever been around. All right. Explain to our viewers why, our listeners, why you would describe Effie Obata in, in a one-word description as brother. I mean, here's a kid that, you know, you know his story. He's And he's from the U.K. Well, not from the U.K., but came to the NFL from the U.K. You know, not the same skin color, not the same position, not the same background, not the same. And he's your brother. Explain that one. It's so hard to say like, oh, this guy's my brother because he just, it's a great question. It's just the best way to describe it. I thought in that moment, I'm like, this guy's a brother to so many people. Like he puts his arms around you. He is a lover. That's a great word for him. He truly cares. Like, I, you know, when the season ended, we were able to, you know, have some food and, and break some bread and uh, with, with a, with a staff member of Carolina that we both have a lot of respect for and we, all the COVID stuff protocols, we didn't have to be around anymore. And he's just for what he's over overcame and to be able to come over here and, and in this world be successful and then to have that compassion and that heart and that want to, and that drive, and then to truly care about your teammates, like, you know, he's just the best teammate you can have. And he cares so much and he truly just gets it. And then to not even be from this country to literally have no, nothing in common with the upbringing that I had. I mean, a lot of my teammates don't, I'm extremely, extremely fortunate. And, but you know, he, he, he's just such an impressive guy and he's, he's truly a brother. He really yeah. is. Like I'm, I'm like emotional talking about him because yeah. he's just special of a human being, man. Like he gave everyone yeah. mask. He had custom mask made of his little, Silver tooth or gold tooth, <laughs> like he just cares. He just does it right. I'm, I'm, I, I want a jersey swap with the guy. Like I should have asked him in the season. Now that I'm thinking about it, but yeah. Well, I tell you what, he is a special dude, and and uh, he's one of our favorites. Hey, um, again, if there was something about the NFL and the NFL and an NFL locker room that you could bring to real life, right? Because oh. because the life, the, I mean. It's your real life, but it's not real life, right? I mean, you're living in a you're living in a dream world, bro. You're playing with house money, right? And I know it's tough, and I'm, I all of it, right? I get all that, right? I've been in it thirty years, but it is special. What would what if you could just take that one something out of an NFL locker room and give it to everybody in the world? What would it be? The opportunity to be around people that are not like aren't like you. The diversity. The diversity and as you skin color, financial background, where you're from, everyone just comfortable, you know, being comfortable. We all go around people we we have similarities with white, black, whatever it may be. That, that I'm not even talking race. I'm talking just basic stuff of just here's what I like to eat. Here's what I like to drink. Here's what I like to hang out here. OK, great. And that's where you kind of get stuck with the conversations we had in our shower this year and 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 around the locker room. There's no emotion. Well, there's emotion, yeah, about certain things. But I'm saying I'm more talking like politics and just like finance and just – it's just real. There's no like hatred. There's no 
whatever the news we 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 call the news today, if that's what you want to call it. Like it's just real. There's no agendas. Yeah, some guys may be Democrats, some guys may be Republican, but it's all love. It's all brother. It's all and I don't even you know, this year we couldn't even be close. We have a ping pong table and the coach rule extremely like really believes in ping pong and like all the games and getting guys playing together. And I got more stories about that at Temple, which was incredible. And we can touch on that, but like, we couldn't even do that this year because of COVID. Like we could do like maybe two weeks and then we got an intense protocol on the ping pong tables that have been taken out of the locker room. Like, but still guys just said, we got to be close. So that would be the one gift I give the opportunity around people. You wouldn't normally not be around because you don't get that everywhere else in the world. You kind of say you do, but I'm talking real life stuff. Like where you got to eat together, you got to stay, you got to share a room with somebody. You have to, you, you learn so much more about yourself and others. And, and that, that would be the one gift I give. And tell me the, the one thing you take away. If you could wave a wand and say, I'm going to take this out of the game or take it away from the game or take it away from the experience that we've had. One thing that you see weighs down the whole trip. Mm. Salary cap. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Just let it go. Just let it go. No, it's a great question. I honestly, I've had some great experiences. I played for the Giants. was first-class organization, truly. Like, I had emergency appendectomy and got cut by the team. My fiance was with me, with my girlfriend at the time, and the Giants – got her a town car to take her wherever she wanted to go and made sure she got there safely. So like that's first class, uh, the bears, another first class organization, obviously, um, loved it there. And then Carolina, I get to play for one of the best leaders in the world and, and an unbelievable owner and new general manager. So I'm blessed. I really am. And that's not coach speak. Like I, what would I change? Have you asked that question to guys before? What'd they say? No, it's, I've heard different things. I've heard the ego. I've heard, you know, in some cases, you know, the injuries. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, just, ego to me, like, I don't mind it. I don't mind different egos. Like, people, like, hate diva receivers. It's like, uh, you need to have one out there. You're on an island. It is you <laughs> versus the man. Like, I, we don't have it in our own way. Like, there was years this year, like, I had out-of-body of, out of experiences, like, screaming and, like, after a block and stuff. Like, that's not who I am. But, like, it takes that. These are the best in the world. Like, <laughs> Was yeah. was was one of those moments captured on film that we used that we used to promo this show because that picture, that picture without with you without your helmet oh, on yeah, and when yeah. you had when you had the long hair I said yeah. man oh man what what are we getting on this show no no it's not this one it's another one where I'm yelling and that's my buddy Julian who's the man Julian Stafford just like awesome this is a, this is a, he's one of my favorites so we sit with Julian right. Uh, let me just paint a picture of, of our little back locker room, which is a former wide receivers room. But due to COVID, we got put in the back. We called the back of the bus where we were at back there. So it was like me, I'm like a fourth-year guy. Julian's like a 10th-year guy. But I'm not a fourth-year guy in the sense that, like, yeah, I've been four years out. It's my first year in the league. Julian's like 10 years in the league out of Wagner. Um, And then, so it's like I'm the only white guy in the room. Then we have a bunch of rookies. It's me, Julian, and a bunch of rookies. And Julian, like, is tell, helping these kids pick their credit cards, what credit cards to get, talking about finances, talking about car insurance. Like, I'm learning it a ton. I'm like, hold on a second. Let me write this down. <laughs> so, like, it was really cool. Like, I loved our little locker room. Like, I, the fact that we weren't in these big groups, there was something to be said about this. And we're all over, which makes podcasts great, but radio great, is we had a we had a table in our room. It's a former wideouts room. 
So like there were seven of us that sat around that table every day and ate our, ate our food to some extent when we could legally with the COVID stuff, we talked business, we talked life, we talked social injustice. We talked, I mean, how many white people would be able to have an open platform to be able to talk about whatever. And you know, the people in this room love and trust and respect you and know who you are, but you can ask any question you want. I mean, that's the gift I give. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think that's, that's a great, great answer. And that is really, yeah. really true. All right. Now, I know you are, there's a term that you'll recognize this as a Temple grad and a master's degree from Temple because loquacious, you know, that word means? I don't. Okay. That means you you speak extremely well. You're a very loquacious guy, right? So I'm going to give you three minutes and I'm going to start the clock. Wow. And I'm going to give you here. I'm going to get, all right. Now, I haven't even given you the topic yet. All right. So. Hold on. I'm already sweating. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm going to give you three minutes in five seconds to tell us why the Carolina Panthers will win a Super Bowl while you're playing there. Ready? Go. Matt Rule. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> One answer. So three minutes. That's 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 a good number. That's plenty of time for me. I'd give you in 60 seconds. I think it's pretty straightforward. And I don't know what free agency in the draft brings and all that stuff, but I'll say this. I'm, I think because of Coach Rule's mission, this is the second year of that becoming a thing. I don't see where you can't follow his process and make it happen because it happened last year. We lost six or seven games, I think, within five points. We took Kansas City, a very respectable team, obviously down to the wire and should have won. We were on the 50-yard line, and we just beat ourselves and, and almost made a field goal against New Orleans to beat them. Obviously a very good team. Uh, we took, we should have beat the Bucs the first game and we were down 17, whatever, in the first half. So we have the pieces in place. We have the premier players and premier positions, the best receiving group in the country. Brian Burns, the defensive ends, like, on a rocket ship. This guy got to block him every day in practice. He's unreal. I think our running back group with Mike Davis and obviously Christian McCaffrey is probably one of the better ones in the league, if not the best, in my opinion. Teddy Bridgewater, leader. He's done it. He's got experience. This is the second year in the offense. Coach Brady's coming back, uh, obviously our offensive coordinator. So that's really cool for those two to be able to grow another year together. They had a couple of years in New Orleans. So offensively, I think we do a lot of great things. And defensively, this is a young group that had like, I think, six or seven. The whole, they drafted every single position on defense last year. They didn't draft an offensive player or specialist. So they're all in on the defensive side. And there's a lot of young kids that I look at. I'm like, whoa, they're going to wreck this league in two or three years. And that was last year. So a lot of depth and a lot of depth. Undrafted players, too, stepping up and making plays on special teams. And then a lot of great coaches that are all on the same page, pulling the same way. So I don't even need three minutes. Um, I like what we have. We really, truly worry about us. And that's like not in a selfish way. It's like we got to be the best versions of us or we won't give ourselves a shot to win. And that's another one of Coach Rule's things that he believes in. So – yeah. Um, you know, as as Morstead said, I don't need a little line yap. I, I, I don't need a little extra. I'm good there. So. Bro, you did it in two minutes and 15 seconds. That's an all-timer. That's yeah. an all-timer. Hey, you fret, a couple things you brought up. He brought up Frank. Uh, we talked about Frank, Frank yep. Jr. Well, I heard line yap for the first time from him, and that's not good because I'm actually going to – I'm going to uh, Church Point, Louisiana this weekend, which is just north of Lafayette. Um, I believe North Lafayette. That's where my girlfriend's mom's side of her family's from. We're going there for a, a, a welcome back party. Well, F- Frank says to me in a meeting, write this down. That's just what he's all, that's what he's known for. Write this down, write Lon Yap. What? This guy's nuts. What does it mean? What does this mean? It's a little bit more. A little bit more. 
And that's like when we were on special teams, you know, and he liked what we were doing. He's like, I just want a little bit more. So it's a great Cajun term. Yeah, it is. And and get after those mud bugs while you're down there, boy. It's about time for uh, it's it's all it's crawfish season. I oh, think. it is. I'm gonna be tearing it up, and they're just like blown away how much I eat. I'm like, these are nothing. Like these are just. <laughs> we get the potatoes in there, and the corn, and the mushrooms. Oh, it's unreal. It is. Hey, man, you've been unreal, and it's been an awesome time having you with us. I got to gonna leave it with a couple questions, Michael. Give us some questions for the big tight end. All right, Colin, as a student athlete, how did you handle all-nighter study sessions the night before an exam? That comes from Fred Plunk from Ireland. Fred, appreciate the message. Um, I never did an all-nighter, that's for sure. I try to prepare a little bit at a time on, on the exam, so just a little bit a night, a little on-yap every night. It helps get you to it because there's no way with football and everything and cramming and social life and all these other things, you, you, you just can't do an all-nighter. So I think – just spreading things out was the best way to do it and, and just doing a little bit every night, being disciplined with your time. It's the hardest thing to do as a student athlete by far. Yeah, I, You know what? And I think that's really a great point because that's the same issues a player's got to have. Ability to prioritize your life. Uh, David Crook from the UK has this one for you. How do you keep focus, drive, and determination with all that happened in your career? I just think one common goal. The goal never changed. My passions never changed. And then when I got to the goal, I realized that, I, I, I didn't, I haven't changed the same, you know, you change who you want to be a little bit, but at the end of the day, like that burn, that drive, that desire, how do I keep it? It's just visible all the time for me, what I want to do. I firmly believe in vision boards. My mom put that as a kid. Hey, you got to see exactly what you want to be. It's a funny story. Quick story. I had a Jeremy Shockey, one of the players of pictures of on my wall and it's him wearing the NYPD hat and he's got the 80 giants blue on. At one point, I thought my career was over, right? You guys heard about that today. And then literally, I'm walking into the Giants locker room as an undrafted free agent. And number 80 is hanging in my locker. I didn't ask for the number. Nothing. I wore 86 in college. So Jeremy Shockey's number was hanging in my college. I walked past that vision board every single day for probably 15 years of my life. So, wow. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. How do I keep it? It's always visible. It's always visible. I talk about it. There was never a doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to make it. Well, Carolina Panther fans and NFL fans, you got a really great opportunity today to hear from one of the bright young players in, in Carolina, a guy that's on the come. He'll be in the league for a long time, I hope. Keep that, keep work on keeping those feet healthy, your fetuses. Uh, we got Fred Flunk says, thanks for taking the call, a question, Colin. All the best in your future endeavors. I, you made a bunch of fans today around the world, and uh, certainly you're welcome back here anytime, my man. I absolutely love it, man. I'm looking forward to coming back on. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, brother. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Guys, what a, what a sharp young dude, huh? And uh, some real insight there about what goes on in the locker room and, uh, you know, the unique, unique place that uh, the NFL is.